Welcome to episode 62 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we sat down with Alice Lee. You probably know her from her work at Dropbox and her illustration work for the New York Times and Dreamforce and all these amazing, amazing companies. Couldn't be more excited to have her. We hope you enjoy listening. Be sure to also check out some of the other shows on the Spec Network. We've recently launched a new one, Bryn's new show called Immutable. And of course, Developer T is still chugging along. Go to spec.fm to listen to those and spec.fm slash slack to join our Slack team. We have two new shows coming next month. That's pretty nuts. Vicarious with myself, Marshall Bach, and Josh Rotino. And does not compute with Paul Straw and Sean Washington. Lots to come. So once again, that's spec.fm. Before we get into episode 62, we do have two sponsors that made this episode possible. Huge thanks once again to Icon Finder. Icon Finder is the best place to find icons for your design projects. They have over 600,000 icons in their library. They're adding 20 to 30,000 new icons every month. Uh, they're on track to actually reach 1 million in 2016 which is just insane growth. And what's blowing us away is they're keeping the quality up. They are actively clearing out old icons, keeping up with new styles, uh, making sure every icon has different variants so it works in all your software uh, in all different file types. Icon Finder has a service called Icon Finder Pro. It's a premium monthly subscription that gives you access to more downloads a month, collaborate with team members, and gives you commercial licenses to use those icons in a freelance project or just to sell them to clients. And 70% of that monthly revenue goes back out to the original icon designers, which is one of our favorite things about the service. And we actually just found out that there's some designers on there making four to $5,000 a month just from having their icons on Icon Finder. So if you are an icon designer, be sure to submit your own designs. You can make some money. Uh, they are an awesome service. They make it really easy to just find the, the perfect icon for your design project, no matter what you're working on. So if you're building an icon, be sure to submit it to Icon Finder. You can make money. For everyone else, be sure to sign up for Icon Finder Pro. If you use the promo code ROBOT, that'll tell them that we sent you, and it will get you 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro. So if you need an icon, go to iconfinder.com. Thanks once again so much to Icon Finder. Our second sponsor, once again, Dropbox. One of those tools we use every single day. Stores all of our files, even most of the files that we don't even keep on our own hard drives. Everything lives in Dropbox now, and we just pull it down as we need it. So it lets you share files across all your devices and to other people just by sending a link. People can see it in a web preview. They can check out your mocks live in the web browser. You don't have to send giant files. They can just view it instantly. They can leave comments. It's just one of those indispensable tools that we just couldn't live without. They're doing all sorts of stuff for the community. They're hosting tons of design events, including like a design leadership community discussion here in San Francisco, which is awesome. Cap Watkins is going to be there speaking. They're trying to push a bunch of events out in New York. They're, they're pushing hard to reach the design community and support it as much as they can, especially through shows like this. So next one is in the Dropbox. Check them out, dropbox.com. And with that, let's get into episode 62 with Alice Lee. Hi, I'm Alice. I am an illustrator and designer um, living here in SF, and I'm excited to be here. That's a good job description. That's great. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> cool. So what have, now, what have you been up to? What are you um, working on now? Yeah. So I've been working on a mix of personal and like professional projects. Um, what? I guess. No one gets personal projects? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the many benefits to a indie lifestyles that you get to you know set that balance for yourself and what you need you know um so on the 
professional side, um, I've been doing illustration work with Postmates, um, helping them define their illustration style and then doing a bunch of illustrations um, for their app. And I've also been working with Tonko House, which is um, an awesome animation studio. Um, wait, wait, wait. Have you heard of them? I think so. Gasp. Yeah, they um, they released uh, The Dam Keeper last year. It was um, Oscar nominated. Okay. And yeah, the two founders um, are these two amazing artists. They're painters and they worked at Pixar for a long time before that. And they're super well known in the animation industry. So whenever whenever I tell people that, like of Tonko House, and whenever people don't know, I kind of have that like, oh my God, you have to like, <laughs> you have to learn more about them. They're like amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I've been um, working with them um, on like design and branding, which is really cool because I'll like look over my shoulder and they'll be doing like critiques of the latest like animation walk tests or something for the like new character that they just like rigged up or something. So it's really inspiring because I, I really want to learn more about all these like animation is so cool. I like, know. I've tried building a walk cycle and it, I don't know. It I know, breaks my so brain. Hard. I don't quite get it. Yeah, I was looking at um, one of their tests and I was like, this looks pretty good. Like, <laughs> what would you have to say about it? And they're just like, oh, so many things. I mean, you know, like the way that he's walking here is like not natural. And the, the way that the clothing is falling every time he takes a step here is like kind of messed up. Like, and they just like pointed out all these things that I would have never seen, you know? So it's like totally crazy. Did you see that uh, Disney like in VR thing? yeah glenn keen glenn keen yes yeah. yes i remembered bill keen i couldn't remember glenn keen yeah that whole family is super inspiring because yeah. his daughter clara keen um also worked at disney okay as an artist and she worked on i think frozen and tangled wow, yeah like and the one next of her, generation <laughs> like that's yeah. crazy and one of her big projects at tangled or one of the things that i think she's like most known for um is she was responsible for doing all the murals in rapunzel's uh, bedroom. Oh, cool. Because Rapunzel's stuck mm -hmm. in the tower for like her whole life. So I've, she just. I've only seen like two frames of that movie. Oh, I yeah. Confess. It's a really fun movie to watch. Is animation a medium that you would want to explore next? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I feel like. So the way that I got into illustration was super random and semi serendipitous. I, I just became an illustrator at Dropbox and I was hired as a product designer originally. So. Um, the way that I became an illustrator was there was only like one guy who's doing Ryan? illustration. No, it was actually John, John Ying. Okay. Um, he was one of the earliest employees at Dropbox. And so he, um, was responsible for kind of like the first generation of Dropbox cool. illustrations, mm -hmm. kind of like that coloring book style, like, mm -hmm. uh, like oh, a yeah. stick figure flying a kite, you know? Um, and it was like super fun and like people definitely remember that style, um, and so one of my first projects um, as the designer on the growth team um, was doing like the homepage and the onboarding flow that came after that. And so a big part of a lot of onboarding, especially in um, a brand such as Dropboxes, which is so, so illustrative, was just doing like all the little illustrations to communicate like this is this is what this like complex cloud, you know, setup is, you know, instead of actually having like a paragraph. So that's how I got into illustration. So it was like the super random, just like we need an illustrator sort of approach. So like since I've left, I've really tried to take that, um, to take a more like open-minded approach to illustration because I've, I just became an illustrator 
through this like super random series of events. So animation is definitely like one of those related fields. Like I've started to get more into like editorial illustration. I think that that whole like arena is super in- interesting. Yeah, because there's, there's some amazing people doing that kind of work. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And there's so much emphasis there on like personal voice and style. Mm-hmm. And it becomes almost a bit of like a soul searching exercise to like, you know, decide like what is important to you and how you want to draw things and then how you want to interpret prompts and stuff like that. Speaking of kind of falling into illustration. Yeah. We have this Slack team and a lot of people like come in there and ask for advice about how to get into design or illustration, things like that. They ask it as if there's a formula. Yeah. As if there's a way to do it. And I'm just like, I kind of fell into it. I mean, it it doesn't just happen by default. Yeah. So what, what was that path like for you? Well, actually, first, can I ask, what do you say to them other than it just happened? Like, is there... Yeah, I'm like, well, I try and talk them through like, okay, do you want to... What what kind of work do you want to do? Yeah. And then say, okay, so the things most people will look for when they're hiring that kind of position would be, whether, like, if it's a product designer, maybe, like, a portfolio of products that they've actually, like, designed and built rather than yeah. maybe just static comps, right. which tell you a lot less about it. Um, so working through that, and if they're designing a lot of, like, really custom stuff, okay, but what if you design it to the HIG for now and see how that plays out, like how they think about the process rather than just saying, hey, this is pretty. Yeah. So just kind of like, I mean, I've been going back and forth with a few people just like, try this, try this, try this, try this, try this. Like, just just start building stuff. You can't, you can't just jump into it. It just won't happen. Yeah. I feel like getting your foot in the door is one of those things where it's like, it's like looking for an apartment. It's hard if you're just like, I need an apartment tomorrow. Apartment in San Francisco. It's hard if you're like, I need an apartment tomorrow and it has to be in like these three neighborhoods. Oh, I told them to just say they're a designer too and yeah, start building stuff. Yeah, for sure. Stuff. Don't, don't, don't you... say I'm trying to be a designer. I'm or like, aspiring. no, you, you are. Just yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Because like, who can say you're not one? Exactly. You know? It's up to you. Like yep. you're the only person who can judge that for yourself. 100%. Yeah, but if you're passively looking for an apartment, like you're just like on Facebook one day and you just see like someone posted, my friend's looking for blah, 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 a tenant, then it's like so easy, you know? Just so fall I, into it. I f- yeah, I feel like a lot of career stuff can sort of be like that too. Like you definitely have to work hard and you can't just like slack off and be like, let me just let the universe take care of it. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're open to things, when they come your way, you'll be ready. If that makes sense. Totally. Like, and yeah. and generally, I feel like opportunities in design tend to come towards people who want profess, them. yeah, to want them, just because of what the state of the industry right now. Well, I also find an interesting parallel with how you got into illustration. How I think a lot of designers start off is like there is a task at hand to be completed. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there are thought processes behind what needs to happen for this to be a success. Yeah, and then you, as an individual, are like, well, shit what do I need to do to get this done? And in your case, it was illustrating X, Y, and Z. And then for many designers, it could be like, well, I need to learn HTML or I need to learn JavaScript or on and on and on. So it's yeah. like having the pressure of needing to get something done. Yeah. And um, this is also super random, but I feel like most of the designers that I know don't actually come from like a design education background. Like I feel like majority of the people I know are, either didn't go to college, dropped out of college, 
or studied something completely random in college. You studied business? Yeah. Or like Josh Puckett, for instance, he studied like linguistics or something, you know? So yeah, I do think a lot of it comes from just like you care about this thing. So you just practice it in your spare time and then eventually mm-hmm. get noticed for it. Yeah. Well, we have established that there's not one clear path, but maybe you do have some tips for like getting into illustration, like yeah. general things that you found helpful, maybe tools or like resources that were useful to you. Yeah. Let's make a listicle. Mm. Audio mm. listicle. <laughs> well, there's this concept of pencil mileage, which is like, you know, draw, just draw every day and get as much mileage out of your pencil as possible, which is like kind of a crazy concept. Um, if you think about like the stroke of your pencil adding mm-hmm. to your total like distance or whatever. Um, but it's like so true because I felt like last year at this time, I really didn't feel like I could draw. Like I felt like I, I could do things in Illustrator, which mm-hmm. is like sort of related to drawing, but I couldn't like freehand draw, if that makes sense. Or like my freehand drawing skills were like super rudimentary. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Illustrator, you could kind of like draw something and then with your mouse, like poke things around and get it to like where you want it to be perfectly, which works for a lot of the more like geometric styles that are out there that, that are like vector based. But if you're trying to like draw like something with ink, you can't, you know, do that. So just like practicing over the course of just like this one year, I feel like I've improved a lot and I no longer get like freaked out or like nervous whenever someone asks me to draw like a hand <laughs> or something. So, do you draw every day? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have like a routine behind it or is it just when you have time? Oh, I mean, I just like drawing. I just, I feel like drawing is kind of like my full-time job. Okay. If that makes sense. And I definitely balance it with like client work and personal work, but I wake up maybe eat breakfast maybe there's like emails i need to take care of maybe there's like a pressing client project that i need to like finish up or like a deadline i need to meet but then like the instant i am freed up i'll just start drawing or like working on some like a personal piece or something yeah so i want to dig back as well because you did go to business school yeah but you got a job as a product designer yeah before you graduated yeah so what how it's did a pretty that business you roll yeah what? it's not traditional business you're building the business. Yeah, but how did... Okay, so how did you end up as a designer <laughs> yeah. with the job Have as a designer? I frustrated you enough yet? <laughs> well, I was confused for a second. I'm like, what are you yeah. trying to say? Well, I feel like a lot of business majors end up going more like traditional routes. Although tech is becoming more of like a hot thing these days. Oh, yes. Like, I feel like a lot of my classmates are slowly making the transition over. But yeah, so in the middle of um, my time in business school, I was like, I don't want to be a banker. I don't want to be a consultant. And I also just don't know what I want to do. I just, which is like a super unproductive place to be where like, you don't know what you want to be. You just know what you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And you're just like, okay. So I decided to take a semester off. At the time it was just leave of absence. It was just like, okay, well, I'm just open to like all the opportunities that will come my way now that I've like declared that I'm leaving school for some time. I feel like there's also this like dialogue about like whether or not people should drop out or whatever and if it's worth it. And I think you should just do what makes sense for you and your situation. Um, And for me, it was definitely the thing that made the most sense. Every time we have one of these conversations, we're like, it depends. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't just be like dropping out is definitely the prerequisite for like It will definitely work for you no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) That's a design details guarantee. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting because at the the time that I dropped out, um, a bunch of my friends also dropped out at the same time. 
Um, and, and our decisions were all like super separate. Like I had no idea they were doing the same thing. And this was 2012. So wait, this was 2011. So um, two of them started a company that got into YC. So that's why they, dro- okay. they dropped out because they were like, we're going to now commit to this. One of them joined a company um, called Lore. And it was founded by one of my classmates, actually, who's in my year, which is kind of crazy. Interesting. Yeah. And they were in Techstars, I think. Oh, and then one of my friends had started a business, but he was determined to stay in school because he was like, I don't need funding. Like, I can bootstrap this with my co-founder who's also in school. And he thought, he's really cool, though. He's that sounds like, impossible. That sounds so hard. Yeah. I mean, he was like also a philosophy major who taught himself <laughs> programming what? and is like super smart. Like That's he's awesome. definitely helped me on like a lot of like programming related issues that I've had like with various things. That's crazy. Um, so we, so it was interesting cause I was just like, it'd be cool like in three years to see where we all are, you know? So um, I ended up interning at Foursquare and that's where oh, I first okay. did my like first design related project. Um, but I was on the platform team. And I got into like photography then. That's when I started to travel. And I went to Ethiopia um, with like two of my favorite photographers because they were shooting a campaign and they brought along a bunch of other photographers with them. What are their names? Austin Mann and Esther Haven. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, just so we can link to them in the Oh, show yeah. Um, yeah. And so anyway, um, back to my friends. I was like, it'd be really cool to like see where we all are um, in three years. Mm-hmm. And so three of the three that dropped out, they all went back to school um, two years later to finish their degrees because they kind of had this renewed sense of appreciation for school um, after working so intensely on their startup, which was also like kind of crazy for them because mm-hmm. they were like first time founders and stuff. And then the one that stayed in school ended up like scaling out his business super successfully and had an exit and sold it. Oh, wow. Like right around when he graduated. So now he's working for the company that acquired it. You never know how these things go. And you, yeah. you definitely can't derive some sort of like universal, There's like no global plan. trend. There's yeah. no map. Yeah. It's just whatever is right for you cool. and whatever's responsible for you. <laughs> so you interned at Foursquare and that's where you started getting into design. Yeah. I mean, I was already really into it and I was already doing design related things that I had. I just didn't know that they were called design, if that makes sense. Like what? Like I was super into the marketing club. Like that was my thing in my first years of college. Cool. And I was like the VP of promotions. But what that really meant is I just made flyers (laughs) for like every and like PowerPoint presentations for like every single event that that we had, which was basically like design. Yeah. And and um, I, I also had to like redesign the website and stuff like that. So, yeah. And how did you end up getting to Foursquare and what did you work on there? Oh, yeah. Okay. So another, I mean, I, I feel like this goes back to the whole like just being on the lookout and aware, you know, and like passively looking for opportunities once you've decided for yourself that you care about these things. I just followed a bunch of Foursquare people on Twitter because I thought that they were just interesting funny people um and they all tweeted (laughs) they all tweeted like we're looking for an intern to work on our platform team this fall and i was like great like that that could be me because at the time that summer i was an intern at microsoft and i was on the platform team oh wow so i was like that totally like sounds just like me and um yeah but it's funny because i didn't think i would get it and i 
so I told my mom, like, I'm just going to go to China and, like, hang out with family for, like, a month. Uh-huh. So I just booked my ticket, and then I got it. That's how much I, like, believed that I, I didn't get it. So I ended up having to cancel my ticket, but... Yeah, that is of, yet another case of Twitter getting us yeah. to where we are now. Twitter has been super helpful. Twitter's the business. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Even <laughs> <mean>? <laughs> that was the most generic. I'm so frustrated with Twitter right now. Like, I Why? love Twitter. It's my favorite product, but their growth team hates their core user group. It's so frustrating. I got like three push notifications on my way over here today. Just oh. like. Sam Sofus and John Gold favorited a photo. Don't miss out. You can favor that photo too. I'm like, I don't care about that in the least. Like, what if uh, it was a really good photo? So, when I, okay, when I opened the app, that photo was nowhere in my timeline. So, okay. it clearly didn't matter to me enough for me to like have already followed whoever it was that was putting out this photo. Gotcha. Anyways, <laughs> just bumming well, me always, out. I, always... I love them so much. But they like hate me. They want to replace me with someone else who's more valuable to them in ad dollars. I always get random emails from Twitter that are that like are clearly template emails that are supposed to highlight like an important tweet or something. But it's always like Dan Eden tweeted, and then like some <laughs> I like you said important. <laughs> oh no, no, it's like he'll like tweet like Dan Eden tweeted, and it'll be like a three-letter tweet or a three-word tweet or something like just like aren't most dan eden tweets three words (laughs) just like something like super random and that'll just be like the headline it'll that'll be the the subject it'll be like dan eden tweeted like i want a sandwich or something like (laughs) something like i mean i don't think he's tweeted that but it'll be like something like that and i'll just like it'll be really funny yeah and i always screenshot it and i'm gonna send them all to dan at some point in the future just collage of twitter emails send them to someone who works at twitter yeah, that'd be funny. Maybe that'll have impact. Yeah. Um, cool. So then you ended up getting the job at Dropbox during your last semester. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. It was super random. Again, basically, I graduated in December of 2012, and I got the job in, like, August 2012. And so the seed was planted in, like, that spring of mm-hmm. 2012. So it was my junior year, and I was taking this class with, like, an upper-level marketing class with a professor who went to MIT and she studied engineering there. So she knew one of the early engineers at Dropbox and she um, had asked him to come out to speak with our business class just as a favor about like what it was like to work at a startup. And he couldn't make it. So he asked his friend, another engineer at Dropbox, to kind of tack on Penn as like the last stop on his East Coast recruiting tour. And he was just recruiting for engineers. So he just did it like kind of as a favor. Um, and what school is this at by the way oh this is wharton at university of pennsylvania um but the class was really small it was like 20 people and i remember i i very i was like super late to that particular class because it was like a morning class and i was like oh no it's a dropbox speaker who even does morning classes (laughs) i know right um well it's crazy now because now i like wake up every day like seven you know and i'm like i can't believe i ever had a problem waking up at like in time for my 10 a.m. class, you know? It kind of bums me out now when I, like, wake up before my alarm. Yeah. It's kind of nice, though. I feel like I'm losing my, like, youth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my teenage self hates me right now. Like, <laughs> being responsible and waking up at... Every time I wake up before my appropriate alarm, hours. so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So, I was almost late to that class. And so, um, the guest speaker spoke, and I was like, cool. And then after class, a bunch of us were scheduled to get lunch with him 
just to kind of welcome him to the school. So it was like five students. And that's where I was like, hey, I'm also a designer. Oh, actually, no, I didn't say that. My friend who was sitting next to me was like, if you're recruiting designers, you should like talk to Alice. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. And totally. then... <laughs> <laughs> um, Those VP of promotions really promoting. I know. I mean, I wasn't trying to like... I don't know. I wasn't trying to like get a job or anything. Okay. Um, and what did you think you were going to do then? Oh, I just thought we were going to like hang out and like, no, like after school. Oh, this is like your last semester, right? No, this is the, the second to last semester. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to be a designer, but I didn't have a set plan cause it was so far away. It was like a year away. And I felt like planning so far in advance when things could change so much my last semester um, would kind of set like the wrong expectations for me. That's when me and Albert, the engineer, kept in touch. Um, And then over the summer, he invited me to the Dropbox Hackathon, which was an annual thing then. And then I really wanted to get coffee with Morgan Knudsen. So there were only three designers at Dropbox at the time, and Morgan was the third. Um, so I was like, wow, you guys like hired Morgan? That's really cool. Like, <laughs> I really like his work. Do you think he would get coffee with me? I mean, I'm just like a student, but an aspiring designer, which like you shouldn't call yourself that. Um, I love Morgan and just knowing him, this cracks me up so much. Well, I was, I was actually too nervous to talk to Morgan. Um, <laughs> I remember like I sat next to him at the hackathon, but I, I was too nervous to be like, do you want to get coffee? So I asked Albert and um, Albert, instead of connecting me to Morgan, he just tossed my portfolio into their like recruiting pipeline. Um, and then like a week later, like contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do an interview with them. Um, and so that's how I got my foot in the door then. Got it. And what was interesting was um, they, I don't know if it's different now, but the way that the interview process worked for me was there was like an initial screen, but then after that there was going to be a portfolio review or um, you could do like a take-home design prompt and then like come back with your presentation of how you would solve that particular challenge. So is that what you did? Yeah. Because my portfolio was mainly like random projects that I just kind of snuck in there um, during my internships that weren't design internships Mm -hmm. or they were hackathon projects that were like kind of not fleshed out. I just felt like it would be best to show what I could do like without those like time constraints. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I spent a week on that and um, yeah, and then went through the loop and then got the job. Awesome. So I'm really curious about the work that you did while you're at Dropbox. Oh Uh, yeah. And you mentioned this earlier, but you said you like to infuse a lot of who you are into the illustrations that you make. And I think Carousel is a really great example of that. Uh, Could you, like share some of the details that you snuck into the... Well, it's a very personal product, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. But you snuck in so many details into like the carousel illustrations and stuff. I was hoping you could tell the story of how that happened and how you kind of got away with, you know, putting your initials in. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I worked on that project with Ryan Putnam and it was really cool to collaborate with him and learn from him. Whenever you have the chance to put in that personal touch, you should totally do it. And I also feel like what I learned from that project is... Like it's the importance of like creating a brand that's like right for the prompt or right for the context that it's in and not just doing something that like feels like it fits in with, you know, the look of tech right now, you know, because the way that that style was developed was we had like a one week offsite and um, during that offsite we were like, okay, let's just explore all these different visual directions and those directions stemmed from like different adjectives and like descriptors of what we wanted the brand to represent. 
And so literally like the last 30 minutes, I looked at like what Ryan was working on and I looked at what Morgan was working on and then like just at what everyone else was working on. And then just like super randomly put together this like super watercolor um, technique Mm -hmm. that I did in Photoshop. And then that ended up being the style that we ultimately chose to go in and then refined further. Mm -hmm. So um, like Ryan, for instance, definitely developed this like awesome way to replicate that technique in Illustrator. And I think you can actually see a lot of our personalities in the brand as well. And yeah, whenever there was like opportunity for sneaking in just like personal touches, like for the mailbox brand, for instance, we had these um, envelopes with people's names on them because they were addressed to someone. And so whenever I could, I would just sneak in like people's names. So mm-hmm. like Carmen, his like wife, Cyan, his son, um, like all of my best friends. Um, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for Carousel, I, I, I'm kind of not trying to regurgitate what you put on your website because I think your case study is awesome. Oh, cool. But you talked about how like one of the challenges was you have a photos app uh, and not using real photos. How did you guys decide to like not go down the photo real, like actual photo route and turn it into an illustrative? It's like the anti-Mike Mattis. Oh, is it? (laughs) He works at Facebook, right? Yeah. He always has like these pictures of just his his beautiful friends in beautifully shot photos in beautiful California this is like the opposite direction. It, yeah. It, because it's not realistic, it feels like you can like put yourself into it. Yeah. And that, that makes me like, I just love it so much. Yeah. I mean, I think both approaches are appropriate, but just for different like types of products. We had tried a lot of stuff with like photography. Um, we were trying to go with something that felt like more nostalgic and playful and like applying color treatments and that sort of lens to real life photos resulted in some like weird um, final products. So we were, and we just felt like, like for instance, I'm like Chinese American. So I like, whenever I used pictures of just like random people, I was like, I can't insert myself Mm. because like I'm Asian. So like, and there's no Asian people in here. So it's like weird for me kind of. And like, I don't know why they're tinted in this like nostalgic lens. Cause like, they're not my memories, you know? So then ultimately we decided to go in this more illustrative um, direction. And also Dropbox as a brand tends to be more illustration heavy and we wanted to tie things in together as well. And Dropbox, the core product doesn't use stock imagery in its own like walkthroughs. So I'd love to hear your perspective on why you think that is like, why, why is Dropbox so illustration heavy in oh. all of its products? Yeah. I mean, I they have think... dope illustrators. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it started with like John uh, Ying, who is like one of the earliest employees, and he did a lot of the earlier illustrations. And just from that like foundation of having like a lot of playful, really whimsical illustrations everywhere, like I feel like it kind of set this tone that people came to expect um, and really, really got attached attached to. Cloud storage can be a really nebulous sort of scary thing for a lot of people who aren't in tech Um, I was showing my mom how to use a shared folder like how to link to a Dropbox file without actually sharing it with someone Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like really confused and that's just like another example of how like all this technology can be like super overwhelming to someone who just wants to put their files in somewhere that like seems to be like reasonably good place to put them in you know So I think that the illustrations definitely helped with that. Like it made it feel more relatable and like less technical. 
one of the details that I feel like I certainly missed until I saw it like all in a line on Carousel was that all the photos actually told the story. How did you guys come yeah. up with the story that you wanted to tell? Oh, yeah. So the story is there's these two characters, a little girl and a boy, and then her grandfather occasionally pops in. And there's also a little dog. And you see them going through their very, like, nice life, uh, like a nice, lovely life um, where they, like, go to camp together and they fall in love and then they get married and then dog grows old as well. And, you know, during their teenage years, like, they get a car and a license and all that stuff. We had a list of activities that we felt were, like, relatable to the largest subset of people because we didn't want to just be, like, oh, it's just like a bunch of buildings, so it's like cities or something. Or like we didn't want to be like, oh, it's like a small town, so it would just appeal to like those people. So we were like, okay, what's like sort of a universally loved thing? Oh, like nature maybe, you know? Loch Ness like Monster. Trees, yeah. <laughs> um, universally loved, universally feared. Yeah. Camping maybe, like people seem to like that. And yeah, like what are some milestones that like, a lot of people will experience in their lives. So like probably getting a car at some point um, or at least getting your license, maybe getting married, um, growing old, having a dog maybe. Yeah, so yeah, that's how we came up with it. I wrote a post about Carousel because I thought the illustrations were so well done and like- Oh, cool. Look at you, VP of self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this VP blog post. Y'all should check it out. But I also loved the way that here's the other part i'm curious about and we got to chat with ryan as well a little bit about it is like the way illustrations tie in with product and one of the key examples is just like the way the illustrations fall together during the carousel onboarding and like yeah that was a collab with josh puckett right and in mailbox when you drop the coin when they're doing the beta oh that wasn't me but yeah that was linda right I, I don't know. I think so. I don't know who worked on that after. I know Ryan worked on it. I think he said Linda was the other one who worked on it with him. But I'm just so fascinated by like when those decisions get made to like use illustration as as a product tool to guide yeah. users to do a certain thing. Um, whereas like the more traditional way would be text, right? Yeah. Or or just like boring, really generic Pig. screenshots or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just finished like a major project with Postmates. And so we did a lot of brainstorming around like how can we represent the like Postmates story in like a way that's not generic. Like a lot of, um, I feel like there are a lot of these like food delivery kind of apps and they're all different, um, but they sort of as a consumer like occupy. They're so similar, subtly different. Yeah, they occupy like a similar in your space brain. in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so like well, how can we make this like clever and like unique? And it seems to be like a a pretty big trend or at least a rising trend. I would probably tie it back to Dropbox of using illustration to tell a brand story and at least among tech companies, maybe I should specify that. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting when you start to like, well, I think the idea of like merging illustrators from different industries or like different verticals with this like tech product app mobile thing with that like placement is like super interesting because like I don't know if you just like open the New York Times and like see a couple of illustrations like how cool would it be if like illustrations were done in like those styles like I think that would be like amazing you know life would be definitely better I just I, think I'd much be rather really... have that than photos the photos always tend to photos tend to be a lot more depressing oh really well a I think on average 
Do you feel like you have to do things differently when you're doing illustrations uh, for a product versus, say, um, what would be another? like New York Times. Yeah, like yeah. illustration purely Dream for force. illustration. Like, how do you have to think about it differently for product design? Um, well, I think for product, you definitely have to make things work within the existing story right. or the existing brand. Mm-hmm. So if like Dropbox contracted you to do like a bunch of illustrations, you couldn't just like go off in your like own style. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, there's like custom brushes that they use, the specific palette, specific look, even like how people are rendered is, is like very specific. So there's like an existing set of rules that govern the universe of that brand. That makes sense. Whereas like editorial, for instance, it's all about your universe and your visual language. And it's defined by you. And the constraints are like, you know, the article is about these things. So try to make it like relevant, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you could interpret things in like totally unique ways. And you don't have to like hold yourself accountable to like, oh, this is how like a person is rendered. It's just like what you feel is like naturally the best way to draw a person in that context. Ketums. Oh, Ketums. Ketums. Yeah. Um, you branched out into... It's product illustration in the non-tech space. Yeah, that was a really fun project because I worked with um, Dan Smith, who also used to work at Dropbox. And he was like so awesome to work with. Like I remember just like looking at him and being like, you are an amazing design collaborator. Like every designer should know like how awesome you are to work with because he's just like so encouraging and like I'd be like, oh my God, these will look amazing if they were like letterpressed and like stamped in gold foil. And he'd be like, yes, you know, Um, or like these would be amazing. These cards would be amazing if you printed them out and then got the edges stamped or something in like gold foil. And he'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, Which is like every designer's dream, I think. So yeah, that was really fun. That was also a brand that was about like a story because it was a project that had basically started with his grandfather, I think, or his great-grandfather. And basically, um, he had started a factory and a boutique men's store in Paris. And it was doing, like, really well. Like, it was, you know, business was flourishing. And then um, during World War II, the Nazis invaded. And um, because his family was Jewish, the factory was destroyed, and his family had to go into hiding. And his grandfather actually caught the last boat out of Paris because he was... He happened to be on a boat on the way to acquire new fabrics for Kedems. So it was like this super serendipitous thing where like almost like the business almost like saved him sort of. Good business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the life-saving business. But unfortunately, the business itself did not survive. Mm-hmm. So he, after he got to America, he like didn't continue it. Um, and so Dan is continuing it now. And it, so it has this like crazy heritage. Oh, and the craziest thing was he had like two remaining artifacts from the entire thing. One was this like four plan that was like super, like it was like scruffed up and like kind of hard to read. And the other one was his grandfather's business card that had this like amazing font. Like I'd never seen that like font before, or even if that even was a font, like that style was like beautiful. And it was this like super vintage, like kind of art deco-y, very like French looking business card. So we used that as like the springboard for redesigning the logo the language surrounding like all the visuals and mm-hmm. all that. So how did you even get pulled into that project? Oh, um, just cause I knew Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, I mean, it was 
again, it was also really serendipitous. So the final result is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was cool to see like his process too of like, for instance, like I lettered in inside panel and he was like, oh, we should get these like embroidered. And I was like, oh, cool. That Sure. I've never yeah. had that happen before. <laughs> he works with a factory in Oakland, I think, um, and like a local a bunch of local like artists to uh, do all of that. So it was just really cool to like see all these things come back and be like, oh my God, that's like my handwriting, but like rendered in silk or rendered uh, in like awesome. thread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You also know front end development. Yeah, a little bit. How did you also learn that and add to your like yeah. huge range of skills? Um, the summer between high school and college, I was like super bored. I was in China. And so I just was like, I'm going to make a portfolio website. So that's how I learned. And then when I was interning at Foursquare, oh my God, it was totally crazy. So I applied for the job and I don't think I was like super qualified for it. Like looking back in the beginning, because like on the first day, I remember they were like, all right, like commit something, something to get or something. And I was like, huge mistake. I was like, what is that? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, just follow these like instructions on the screen. And I was like, wait, oh, am I supposed to use terminal for this? <laughs> so like the first day I was like, what is Git? Like, oh, my God. And I was supposed to like add my name to the about page or whatever, because um, back then they were small enough that they did that for even the interns. But then I was lucky in that I had already spent this one summer like learning all these, like just HTML and CSS and like a very small amount of JavaScript. Um, And I had also taken two computer science classes at Penn. So I knew like Python and stuff. So that was technically part of my job at Foursquare as well, which was like writing code as part of like making tools to help the developer community, like making a tool for like the hackathon for people to like submit stuff, um, projects and stuff and like, coding up parts of like the developer website, um, which was my project. That's pretty awesome. Do you see yourself ever getting back and doing more development stuff mixed in with some of your art and illustration? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it all kind of like ties in together. Um, Like I do it definitely on my website. Like I I use Siteleaf. So it's this awesome, like very lightweight CMS. Basically you write like all the code surrounding the body-ish of each page. And then each page is then represented just by like, a box and that's like a box that you can just write code in and stuff super awesome and then i do a little bit of that for like tonko house as well um the studio that i'm working with so, okay yeah the thing i thought you're talking about was fungo pop what's what's that once i said tonko house pop? and pe- someone thought i said taco house and they're I mean, like that sounds that better. too would be great <laughs> and they looked it up and it's this like random design studio like not in san francisco like it's super like far away what did you do for venmo I worked with them on their like money tree campaign. Um, basically, it was this thing where it was like a tree and it, from the tree that was illustrated, bits of money represented in like illustrated like dollar bills fell and you had to like click on it. And every time you clicked on a dollar bill, you'd get like a little bit of more money in your Venmo, like real money. And then if you got like the special dollar bill, you'd get like more money. Is this like cookie clicker as a product? But you get real money? Yeah, through Venmo. What? And then afterwards, you can you could post like, oh, I just got like $2 from Venmo. That's some solid growth hacking right there. <laughs> Holy cow, that is growth hacking. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're, some of the illustrations still up then on yeah, moneytree.venmo.com. Um, I don't think it's been up. They've uh, had it active for a while. Right. The money tree was... was 
seeing too much activity, but <laughs> yeah. People want that free money. Yeah. I mean, you could only make like a dollar or like $2 at a time, but yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's still a cool concept. And then the cityscapes. Those are used, I feel like so many companies do those now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's like Are you Putnam. OG cityscape? It's all Putnam. No, Putnam is OG cityscape. But you did these. Actually, that was a random thing. I was like, hey, Putnam. Let's just leave it that. He's just OG. I was like, do you have anything that you need help on? Or like, do you need, you know, like take care of anything? It's like, I'm free now with like, I was at Dropbox at the time, but I was like, oh, I don't really have anything to do this afternoon. He was like, yeah, why don't you like make these for like a launch that we're having? I was like, okay. So it's a bit sad because when I talked with, when we talked with Putnam, I said like one of my sort of long-term goals or our hopes would be to like learn illustration in some way shape or form and just to I s- be him to be ryan putnam but i still have not done so i want to yeah, grow up to okay. be him this is it's funny because this is what we were talking about at the beginning but like what are some tools that you use that you found helpful like is in, in terms of like getting a drawing onto the computer do you have to have a tablet like is illustrator the best thing to use well, i think it depends on what you see as your style or look. Ooh, what you know if I don't mean? know? Ah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I, I was like, mm, I don't know. If, yeah, but it's kind of hard to know, right, before you try. So you could always try, and if it doesn't work out, it's fine, you know. At least it's not that one thing. But if you, for instance, if you kind of see it as being more like digital and like crisp and vectory, then it might be Illustrator. But if, if you just think about illustration and like what makes you happy to illustrate and draw, and if that is freehand just drawing, then it's probably Photoshop. Gotcha. That makes sense. Do you feel like the Dropbox style kind of got ripped off over yeah. the years? Um, yeah, I think so. How, does, I, how do I've you feel about that? I've seen it a lot. Um, I've seen it on like a lot of different tech companies' websites. Um, I mean, I think it's like... I always feel mildly indignant, but... Mildly I, indignant. Yeah. I'm just like, grr. But, <laughs> um, Slight grr. I always feel like more angry when I see like, my friend's styles being ripped off, if that makes sense. Like when I see like someone ripping Putnam off, you know, like I get more angry because like, I don't know. Got to back up your squad, man. Do you yeah. have, well, did you, when you were first getting started, did you have people that, whose style you looked up to or maybe yeah. um, like learned from? I mean, I definitely have like favorite illustrators. And I think if you looked at, especially some of my more like recent personal work, you could definitely tell what those influences are, but I never like blatantly copy them, you know, like I'll never like reproduce their work. Right. Like exactly. Of course. Cause that's like not appropriate. And that's not how you should treat your, like, idols. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I'd, I've seen, like, on Dribble, like, somebody did this, like, shot of a building and it had, like, these clouds that were, like, exactly drawn the same way as Putnam's clouds and the building was, like, a cross-section of the building and then it had, like, people interacting in these, like, very specific poses and, like, furniture was arranged in, like, a very specific way and also all it was all rendered in this, like, extremely specific way. And I was like, hey, this kind of looks like... Something that I thought I saw in Putnam's dribble like a long time ago, like a few years ago. And then I found it and I was like, hey, it's like totally copied both like compositionally and also stylistically. And, and yeah. But it wasn't Putnam. Yeah, it was like some random person. 
Mm, that's too bad. Rookie move, random person. You've been caught. I feel like inspiration is total. It's like similar. Like it's in the same ballpark, whatever. But blatantly copying someone is like crossing the line. If that makes sense. Right. There's sort of. I don't want to say it's a gray area because you shouldn't copy someone. But I can understand as a young designer or illustrator, like wanting to find your style and maybe a way to do that is to to try a bunch of different styles for sure yeah um i don't think you should copy or sell like someone else's but well i think it's okay to copy someone's stuff to learn but not you shouldn't post it though. right yeah right, to learn that should be like an exercise yeah i mean i think ultimately we're all like swimming in this like illustration sea of like consciousness you know what i mean like we're just all humans Mm -hmm. and we like some of us might have similar inspirations you know i think you you kind of know like when it's wrong and when it's like fine and it's just like like if somebody took this illustration and instead of having dribble meetup it just said something else Mm -hmm. like dropbox we're we're pointing at a uh a notebook with yeah Dribble meetup illustration printed on the front. But it had like the exact same illustration. And like maybe they didn't trace it. So maybe this like bridge was a little squatter or something. And like this building was moved over like two pixels. Mm-hmm. But like it was literally the same thing. And it just said like a different mm-hmm. word, like name or something on there. Like I, I mean, I feel like that is like totally copying, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I don't I, go on Dribble hardly anymore. Yeah, it's, me neither. It bums me out. Yeah, I don't really post there either anymore. I probably should now, but yeah. My biggest problem is that it's just not constructive. Like, it doesn't add anything to my day. It's like yeah. Reddit, right? It doesn't add anything to my day. I do it, get a it's lot It's a time of, sink. I get a lot of, like, inbound inquiries from Dribble, though. Are they good ones? Yeah. Oh, I don't get any good ones. But uh, <laughs> I get them that I'm just, like, yeah. not interested in. I mean, I definitely get, like, weird ones, too, but... Yeah, which is like funny because I haven't posted there in a while. Yeah, Yeah, me either. I don't know. Shrug. So something that I've really enjoyed thinking more about and uh, did not expect to think about more when I left Dropbox has just been this like notion of finding your personal voice and your style as an illustrator that is like purely you and not related to like any other stylistic influences that you might have with like your peers or whatever do you consider illustrator to fall into artist or designer or is there i don't really is there a difference that matters yeah i mean i don't really see the difference between the two like i feel like there's always like a twitter mini battle that's like raging between people who are like design is utilitarian and art is like for the senses and then someone who's like i'm an artist and a designer so what are you calling me you know um but like should designers art i think it can be kind of hard to like inject a lot of your personality sometimes into like things like product design Mm -hmm. or even illustration for brands just because there are like constraints there you know what i mean like you couldn't just go and like add like colors to everything if that is the kind of person that you just personally are if the brand is like mm-hmm. is that what super... art means to you just no <laughs> I, think, I think art is like just like self-expression and i read somewhere i forgot who said it it's like the act of making like something out of nothing so it, for some people it can be product design or it can be like whatever they do in life but i think it as like so long as it, it like represents something that comes from you then it's art. You can call it art. I mean, 
you know who's who's to say like it's not art or you know how would you define your style or like, um, what is your voice i just think it's my natural drawing freehand i guess if i were to put like words on it it would just be like sort of intricate super like free flowing the only time i feel like i've really 100% brought it out is in like a couple of the assignments that i've done with the new york times and in um, some of my personal work that I had in my um, show with SVA. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's just how I would draw something naturally. Yeah, are there links to the New York Times ones that we could, we could link yeah, to? Yeah, I just, I have candy? to update my website. Um, but I, I put some <laughs> of this, I put like one thing on Instagram. I put two things on Instagram, but there's like way more than that. Um, and I have to update my portfolio, which is like the most annoying thing. But before that, I have to send out like promos, so... It sounds like you didn't get jobs based on your portfolio really before you went into like illustration stuff. Is the illustration one a lot more important? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I get, a, I get more illustration stuff now than design because my portfolio mm-hmm. is like 90% illustration. Um, but before I became an illustrator, like I got like zero. Illustration. That's the other thing I've been telling people who ask me like what they should put in their portfolio. I'm like the kind what of work you want to do. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Do you see yourself doing illustration for a long time or could you... She's going to go back to business? Yeah. I, I don't know. Start a business or back to product design, front end, or even... Um, I don't know. You know who I really admire? Like people who can do this for like a really long time. Like uh, Kishimoto, the guy who made Naruto. I mean, that guy is like... She gets me. That guy is like <laughs> a genius, a artistic savant. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And has a crazy amount of like endurance. Because he worked on that series for like... That stuff goes on forever. He's worked on... I think it was like 16 years or something. So basically for people who don't know, Naruto is a long running manga series from Japan mm-hmm. where um, one chapter is released every week. And one chapter is like... 20-ish pages i think sounds right 15 20 pages and i've only ever read the manga once oh yeah Um, pure anime yeah i mean you have to like commit oh yeah and there's a there's an anime too an anime Mm. is like the video version and manga is like the you know paper version and so they're both like crazy sagas and the anime is based on the manga so you kind of loosely yeah so you kind of have to commit to one or the other because they're like Mm -hmm. serious time investments but he basically worked on that for like 16 years and released one chapter a week so like, I feel like he's kind of like my career inspiration. That Interesting. That feel- is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, man. People should like, because I feel like people sometimes overlook. Alice hidden in the leaf. Yeah. Yeah. Hidden Shinobi of the of San Francisco. <laughs> That's the village hidden in the fog. <laughs> yeah. True. I struggle thinking like, would I want to do one thing for 16 years or do many things for yeah two years i'm sure he had a really intense life because he, <laughs> he had to like focus on this like one thing for like but it sounds like you're leaning towards doing that like really honing in on illustration for the long term like 10 um plus years. i mean i can't really say for certain just because people change things will change how long have you been focusing on illustration like a year yeah year and a half it's still early that's, yeah that's it's a lot to put on like one year of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying I, I admire him. There was one year I thought I was going to cook for the rest of my life. That didn't oh, go really? very far. <laughs> I think once you stumble upon something that you really like, or you just don't want to let go of, like 
that's like pretty important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to think that that's how people felt about their jobs and then was like sorely mistaken. I just think that I would love to have a career where I like have a lot of joy in what I'm making and then can be consistent enough in that I can like create this like awesome body of work. Do you find more enjoyment in not knowing where you're going to go next? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Sort of. I mean, I feel like um, when you're like independent, you have that uncertainty, but then you're also like sort of in control and that like if something comes your way and like you really don't like it, you don't have to like do it, you know, like no mm-hmm. one can make you do something you don't want to do. And you are like 100% in control of that and your time. But at the same time, it's like scary because you're just like, what's coming? What's yep. up on the horizon? At like a consciousness level, I feel like I crave like order and like process. Yeah. But then my subconscious is always like, no, so you're going to do this thing instead. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you have this like craving to do something else. I just feel like it's, it's the weirdest thing. I just feel like it's being a human. I would just make myself more uncomfortable. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, things are going well. Time to fuck your own shit up. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes being out of your comfort zone can, like, yield the best results, personally. That's just something I've been thinking about lately, like, a lot. Yeah. It's such a weird thing is to be like, I was on the edge of having, like, this process thing that, at surface level, I, like, really want. Yeah. But then I'll, like, make a dumb decision and be like, nah, not happening. <laughs> well, as long as... I don't think it's dumb. As I long just, as each of those changes increases, like steps you up in some way like whether it's immeasurable happiness or objectively with well even an answer if it's just moving sure i i don't want it to lose momentum like i can turn but i just want to keep moving i don't want to just like sit that's the yeah. hardest part but if you turn you lose momentum physics maybe turning is it depends on yeah. what what the substrate is maybe you're heading for a dead end so you have to turn yeah to like globally gain momentum yeah in the course of your life. That's kind of what I was... I don't know. That's, I know. That's where Who I was knows, going. I was you know? just being a smartass. She's I mean, just smarter than I am. She's no. smarter than both of us combined. No, I'm, I'm really not. Combined. Is there anything you want to plug before you go? Um, No. Net Awards. Congrats to you. Thanks. Cool. Well, uh, we'll send people to your Twitter, Instagram, yeah, website, cool. all of the above. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, this is really great. Cool. That was it. Episode 62. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. We love to chat about the episodes. Uh, if you have thoughts or feedback for us, definitely hit us up there. Also, we're talking about everything going on in our Slack team. We've recently crossed a thousand designers and developers in there, talking about everything from the tools we're using to doing a public critique on Fridays. Mark Hemian just hosted the one on Friday. Yep. So if you want to get in on that, go to spec.fm slash slack. Before we go, huge thank you once again to our two sponsors that made this episode possible. Icon Finder is the best place to find icons on the web. No matter what kind of design project you're working on, just go to iconfinder.com, search for whatever you need, and they're going to turn back thousands of results in all different styles. These icons work in any software you're, you're using, whether that's Photoshop, Sketch, Illustrator, all different file formats, including SVGs. You can put them straight on the web. It's an amazing service. We're so happy to have them supporting the show. Use the promo code ROBOT if you sign up for Icon Finder Pro, which is their monthly subscription service. That'll tell them that we sent you and get you 50% off your first month. Once again, thanks so much to Icon Finder. Second sponsor, Dropbox. Dropbox is just one of those tools that we couldn't live without. It's something we use in our day jobs, in our side jobs. It's 
been a really incredible tool and super, super helpful. Brian uses it in the browser like a weirdo. I use it built into my file system. It's super flexible for whatever kind of thing you're trying to do. So thanks once again to Dropbox for supporting the show. Check them out at dropbox.com. And we'll see you on Wednesday with John Lacks.